0: Radical Truth is a podcast produced by TBLI Group and hosted by Robert Rubenstein. TBLI is making the financial system work for all. Our podcasts cover the wide range of ESG and impact investing topics. What it is, why is it booming, is it really helping, is impact regenerative in nature, how will climate change impact investments, There will be regular interviews with thought leaders, some known, some not known, but all brilliant, and we will have engaging conversations with all of them. Can we create an economy based upon well-being? Let's make the financial system work for all. This is Radical Truth. Many in the financial sector are well compensated, but often asked to push products that are not in line with their values. Dr. Giulio Frenzanetti will explore these personal challenges and torments. Dr. Frenzanetti is a 30-year financial services veteran. He worked at Banca Intesa. He worked on trying to rationalize the Catholic Church portfolio. In addition, he created the Gum Arabic Fund to create a fair trade for the Essential Commodity Fund. For the past few years, Dr. Frenzanetti is a personal coach for those in the corporate and financial sector. This is Radical Truth. We are honored to have Dr. Giulio Franzinetti, who will be talking about the imposter syndrome and are you selling what you don't believe. Giulio is a very dear friend. He's executive and non-executive director in companies involved in artificial intelligence, sustainable development, and executive coaching. And in a previous life, he tried to rationalize the Catholic Church real estate portfolio, so Julia does like a challenge, um, and he is going to share with us his experiences in dealing with this issue of the imposter syndrome. For those of you in the outer stratosphere who don't know who you are, Julio, tell us briefly who you are, what you do, and also explain to us about the imposter syndrome.
1: Thanks Robert. Well, you, you've said quite a bit about about who I've been and what I've done, but um I come from the financial industry and um I over the years I've watched many, many of my colleagues sell things that were doubtful in quality and um certainly that they themselves didn't believe in. So when I shifted in in the last few years from, well, I went from finance to headhunting to coaching. I became very interested in what the effect is on people that have to sell things they know perfectly well are, for want of a better expression, crap. And um, (coughs) I remembered many conversations with people where I was arguing why we shouldn't sell something, why we shouldn't misrepresent it, and um, watching the structure ignore any consideration, uh, and this across a whole lot of institutions. Um, when I started coaching, what became very interesting was the fact that I saw the effect this has on people. And um, to Put it very simply, what, what I tended to see was younger people who didn't really care too much because they assumed that with the development of their career, they would be able to start doing things that were better. And older people fearing for their jobs and being told what to, what, how to portray things, um, starting to Suffer from that, and the suffering really comes into a form of um, concluding that one's own word is is worthless that it regardless uh, of the cynicism that one believes is present in institutions and in people, <clears throat> this does eat away at you, and you start thinking well My word is pretty worthless. You may not articulate it, but you think it. And you start, in many cases, what I've found with coaching clients, becoming destructive, becoming self-destructive. And um, yes, you may find that people laugh at it. People, mm, well, bear it as something they've got to do. But there is a clear price. Um, In many cases, this has actually led to uh, people also acting against their employers, Um, particularly in the cases of the pharmaceutical industry. There have been cases that are well documented. I would recommend Confessions of a Drug Pusher, an Rx Drug Pusher, which is a book written by somebody who actually testified against her employers in Congress. And... um, Certainly in the financial world, I've seen it in in one part that is very dear to me because I've always been involved in it, which is the part of ethical and sustainable investment. I started becoming interested, well, the first ethical fund with ethical guidelines that I was managing was 1991. And um, then I uh, started becoming involved in First of all, in EUROSIF, then in other boards uh, and other advisory functions. And um, I noticed that an enormous amount of what we were selling was neither sustainable nor ethical or what other people were selling. And nobody really cared. First of all, a lot of the people involved in the whole whole record. And that certainly became quite distressing when later what I saw was several companies appropriating the language that had been developed for ethical and sustainable investment and transferring that, reapplying it to what were exactly the same products, then that that became even more painful to watch. Um, now, this has, a whole, there's a whole gamut of, of of lies that is being said about what one sells and about what one does and about what happens in a company the basic issue is the weight of that lie is greater if the assumption of the uh, is that you are being truthful <clears throat> now in all the literature about lying, and there's quite a bit in psychology, actually. although I'm not a psychologist far from, but there's quite a bit that is read. You will get the example of uh, there's the little polite lie. You know, you're looking good today. Yes, you are looking good. But there is very little of an assumption that you will be absolutely honest. Um, whilst if you're testifying in court, the assumption in most countries, not all, is that yes, you are going to be absolutely honest, and lying in that case will weigh on you because you know that you're running a risk. Now, when you're selling, when you're misselling products, uh, particularly where you have an assumption of a level of um, ethics or uh, of positive impact, and you know that what you're selling is not exactly right. Well, you may not care because you know also the buyer doesn't care in some cases. But when you're faced with people who do, then the weight of that, of that misrepresentation is much greater. Secondly, there's the other part which um, I wanted to bring up, which is to do with uh, denying what we call denial of authenticity, <clears throat> where you have to misrepresent yourself. Because it's demanded or convenient. Obviously, the same. This can apply in some extreme cases to misrepresenting your beliefs, your are um, misrepresenting your sexual orientation, misrepresenting your religion, or anything because you have to. And that definitely, there's far greater literature on that, on how that eats you, eats, eats up at you. So recently I was talking to people in, um, in the industry, which is dearest to me, which is the, the sustainable and ethical space. And I was asking some of them, well, look, the pe- these are people who I, who I think very highly of and who I think about as honest as one can be. And um, I asked one of them and uh, he said, well, look, yes, there's a lot of hypocrisy because people do wish to sell and in some cases because they love mixing with the well-meaning metropolitan elite who want to be seen as virtuous and certainly that has been a fairly big part of some of the recent developments of some of the events products and um, speeches that one sees which are laced with hypocrisy in every respect. Um, there certainly are a lot of co-conspirators when one is in that situational environment. But I do believe that it does start eating up at you. I remember once, for instance, I was introducing some people that were selling a fund that had to do with water. And I looked through the documents and I said, but this doesn't have any water in it. And he said, well, it's got 10%, so it'll do. And I said, you realize you're you're talking to people who really do care about water. And he was like, well, yeah, sure, okay. And this sort of thing I've seen happen quite extensively. And I, I would say that people with time live with it less and less happily. There is a belief that in any case you're moving in the right direction the fact that one is bringing up the rhetoric and the concepts is helping and that probably is true if that is enough to for the person to live with it but more in general you're getting into something which resembles the doublespeak that Orwell Bro described, and I'll just read the definition of doublespeak that Orwell gave in 1984. It is to know and not to know, to be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies, to hold simultaneously two opinions which cancelled out, knowing them to be contradictory and believing in both of them. And that is where the erosion starts to take place, where then it becomes even further extreme is when you get into the imposter syndrome, which is where you have a job, you have a role that you believe you are actually not even fit to pursue you're not even fit to exercise that that particular function, and that again is something that eats away at people significantly it, Well, it brings to that feeling of self-contempt, of uh, mm, mm, saying your own word will not only not matter, but thereby everybody else's word around you doesn't. In this respect, I'd say it's been some of the most interesting work in coaching because I've been able to help people articulate it. Whether they got to the point that I had to say to them, look, you need psychological help for this, that, that's another, that, that, that would be in certain cases. But on the whole, just the fact that they were able to articulate it meant that they lived with it a bit better, that explaining, look, this is not that uncommon. And even in the fields where you are representing and selling concepts that should be most Ethical and appropriate for the audience that you're presenting them to well Okay, try your best, but it is not uncommon far from it Now in in many ways This has made me see some things that some of the best salesmen are complete morons because they don't understand how How unreal and untrue what they're selling is And some of the smartest people um, actually held back in many cases. So I'd say, you know, if one is in a position where one is pushing an agenda, uh, beware. When you're making your people lie, when you're making your people pretend they are able to do something they are not, you might pay for it in the end. I've watched cases where then um, the staff gathered the strength or just the feeling that they had very little to lose and turned against them. It can be that simple. Robert.
0: Julie, I had a a question in in this vein. I don't know if you saw the Senate hearings on... um, the uh, the financial crisis with senator levin and he was interviewing um, goldman sachs uh, fund managers and he said to them he he showed to them that they were talking about how crappy the product was that they were selling to their clients but not only was it filled with it was you know cdo's collateralized debt obligations Not only was it bad, it was awful, they ensured that it would fail. So he, Senator Levin said to the Goldman Sachs guys, he says, don't you have a problem with this? You're selling, you're basically selling a car without brakes and hoping that there'll be an accident and you're insuring it. And they said to him, well, we're market makers. They hadn't, you know, that eliminates their liability. I, I get the, the, the legal aspect. But I see, I mean, if you look at just the whole financial crisis, so many people in the financial sector are asked to sell junk still. And I have, you know, I, I've met many, many people in the financial sector. I can't really say that I've met many who really love their work. And unfortunately, many of them stay in that position. Why?
1: Well, partly also because they don't know what else to do in life. I mean, most of my colleagues were not able to find work after they were fired, Uh, because at the end of the day, in finance, you get fired in your late 40s, mid 40s, in a, a large amount gets made redundant in one way or another, and a lot. unable to find a real job afterwards but you're absolutely right i mean i remember the credit suisse guy who was putting pos on a whole lot of um notes and as it happened he then ended up in very big trouble i think he even went to prison i'm not sure but because the pos stood for piece of shit and um they they found a crib note uh, that he had left somewhere else, where all his abbreviations were were translated. So he was writing up things, knowing they were pieces of shit, and so on. But I would argue that one reason why he was caught is that in the end he wanted to be caught. You do become self-destructive. You know, that that uh, there is when you join fine, and particularly the financial field, but many others as well. I mean, whether it's selling. Uh, medicines or something else when you're young you do feel well in any case I'm gonna have a great career I'm gonna be all-powerful by the time I'm 30 something and I'll sort everything out you realize very quickly that you're not going to do that by the time you're 40 you've got 30 year olds who are coming up and probably can even take your job quite soon and you're under enormous pressure just to do anything and you realize that it's not that simple to make a career change and do something that then you're easier with. You you might believe in most, more at least. Um, I, I think it's it's very hard on them, and um, they they become a danger to the company itself.
0: The but what I've seen, particularly in the private banks, I, I, I was actually quite surprised that it was taking so long that I always felt they, was gonna, they were going to lose their best people. Because at a certain time, people have enough money, You know, particularly you're probably well paid if you work as a private banker or in a banking sector at a certain level. Uh, and you want a little bit more uh, fulfillment and you don't want to be still selling things that you really don't believe in. So what ultimately happens at least i think is that the talent leaves and the fonctionnaires the civil servants stay
1: yeah but the best people for the institution in many cases are not particularly intelligent they just do what they're told
0: so th- so that's what they want they want the fonctionnaires they want the civil servants
1: in an organizer in organizations like many that I've worked in, and so on, yes, I think they did not want somebody who caused problems. They did not want somebody who challenged um, a whole lot of things, and uh, particularly in the in the sustainability uh, space. I mean, you and I have seen <laughs> dozens of people selling things they have either no concept of exactly what what it is they're selling. Hmm. Or they simply adhere to a very, very light and perfunctory compliance um, Hmm. guidelines that allow them to to sell anything they want. Now, if you have a moron, he'll do it or she'll do it very happily and carry on doing it. And that is all you need in many cases. But... um, when you have when when you're faced with uh, uh, either you have somebody who is faced with a choice where they say look the greater good in any case is the survival of this institution and that i've seen with many uh, not just the faith-based institutions but the the institutions that have a very very strong mission whereby they say look i don't care that my bank is doing this because what's more important i'm saving lives out there all right that allows you to accept the lies uh, the saying that all right i you know yes my bank my my chain of stakeholders in, includes a whole lot of people that i whose behavior i disapprove of but it's worth it where it's not worth it well then your cynicism does have a particularly negative effect Which is which keeps a heck of a lot of coaches working, oddly enough, these days.
0: So it's very good for your business, the way things are, (laughs) and you don't want anything to change.
1: No, it it is sad that I that I that I see people who are twenty years younger than me, and they aren't they, they
0: aren't you the guy selling you know the amphetamines and the opioids.
1: I would hope not, but I'm also not there. You know, I, I'm I'm not there to save them and rescue them. I'm hopefully there to make them live better their life, their their corporate life, not their personal. I mean that that's a psychologist joke, but um, in that respect, I I, I just hope that in doing that, uh, I can live with it because I'm I am helping them uh, a bit. If anything else, um, you know, coaching is not rocket science. It's 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 a relatively easy discipline, which has been well developed over the years. It does not go into the depths of psychology, and you don't need to become an expert in the management of the company. But age certainly helps, and the ability to mm, to get people to articulate what is what is bugging them about their life and helping them about the corporate life and helping them all reorganize that that is is something that then is affected by all these problems but your my job is not or any coach's job is not to sort them out once and for all certainly in this particular space of uh, of the sustainability world um it might start with a laugh yes we are selling some crap, that's true, but it then goes into, all right, look, is this something that that you can improve on, and is this something that you can live with? Um, that, that, is, that is a discussion which becomes fairly fluid and requires several, there are several moments when they will have to take a decision to figure out, look, all right. I'm not going to sell these people who, whose pension fund is ten million dollars something that could put it seriously at risk. Um, but you know, when you've got your boss screaming at you to do it, uh, it can be pretty difficult because your boss may be under enormous pressure. Certainly, what I when I watched you know, in Europe well, about ten years ago, there was an enormous amount of um, bonds that was sold by the banks to um uh, individuals who could barely afford to lose them argentinian bonds in italy the parmalat bonds were all being stuffed into client portfolios and mispriced when they were being stuffed now the poor employee who did it is somebody earning maybe 1400 1300 euro a month and um who probably could not have got another job Um, and he or she had to live with that.
0: I'm getting a lot of um, recovering bankers, recovering investment bankers, recovering private equity, recovering corporate finance people. And they all contact me and they says, yeah, I'm really excited about this. And, you know, can we have a, a chat? And, and so and it became very clear they just want to suck out PowerPoint slides out of my brain to repackage and sell. They have nothing, nothing to offer, zero. Not only no talent, they don't even have a a passion for the subject. So when you get people like this who learned a couple of tricks, and then (coughs) well, I just pick up a couple of slides from Julia or, or Robert, and then I can just hustle my way back in and I'm now, sustainability expert it's almost like blockchain you notice how many blockchain experts there are in the world all of a sudden so it's either they're not experts or it's really easy and it seems that that's that's what i'm getting a lot of calls from uh these recovering bankers who want to kind of join the party uh but they don't they want to cut ahead of the line they don't want to pay their dues they don't want to do any of the work they just want to cut ahead of the line um to, to get the fees. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. when we confront them, that, no, they're, they're totally upset and angry in that. And they so, said, well, show me something. And they never show me anything. I don't know if you're getting that.
1: Um, not anymore, because I'm not in, in your racket anymore. But the, the, the definite thing is that a lot of people looked at sustainable investment as another label that could help themselves. And um, the people who had no clue about what it was about or really didn't care, and they thought, oh, if I call it sustainable, it will sell. Now, it's a bit like right now, if you put the word artificial intelligence on top of something, it might sell better. So if you did, a sustainable fund powered with artificial intelligence Based on blockchain, you might actually do really well right now because you'd have everything in it.
0: Run by a transgender in a wheelchair.
1: Yes, as well, but you know, watch out for that one because that could bring up. But if it's sustainable with blockchain and and artificial intelligence, it will do better. I mean, you know, you we've seen the word sustainability um, just like when when all the wording changed if you remember when when you and i first met we were still talking about sri then one day you said julio stop using sri it's esg now and then it became impact and uh uh lord knows it will change into something else uh special i don't know anything i mean uh the new term is death
0: march, slowly in the wrong direction.
1: <laughs> um, but believing in that, oh, I mean, I, 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 I've, I've come across people that were talking about how can I make my job more ESG. Uh, <laughs> I'm 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 at a loss when when you're presented with that question, making my job more ESG. Um, I I really don't know what to say anymore with that because they're just... But that person is less harmful to themselves and to the environment than the ones that very either cynically or applying as much intelligence as they have to are misrepresenting what they're selling. And um, that certainly is where... Yep, you get away with it, you get some money, you get some things, but it eats up at you afterwards.
0: I was contacted, this is a true story, I was contacted uh, a year or so ago by a fund manager who shouted really loud, uh, we raised 600 million euro, and we are going to be the best UN SDG private equity fund manager in the world. So I said, good. And I was about to hang up. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. We don't have anything. What do you mean? Yeah, we have no reporting system. We don't know what to report or how to report. And I've got all these LPs that I have to report to. So he sold the whole idea on an expertise that he didn't have, was a good salesman, got the $600 and now needed to show that they are the experts. And I connected him with a with a uh, one of the TBLI expert network, and he helped them. And about a year and a half later, or maybe less than a year, I saw I was looking on the internet. And said, "Wow, look at this! This this fund won the uh, annual private equity award for the best UN SDG reporting." So I thought, "Wow, we must be a genius ten, or the awards are meaningless, or a combination yeah. uh, of the two. Um And Why is it that people buy into it so easily? Why is it that so few people open the kimono to see what the hell is under there? What is under the hood? Why is it, you know, you try to borrow money for buying a a house or a car or, you know, starting a business. My God, you know, you have to do everything here, people throw money at something that is doesn't have any, uh, you know, validity. It's not authentic. It's not real. It's not what they're selling. So they're selling a lie. People are the finance sector is buying into it,
1: and there's no consequences. Well, no, the consequences usually are when you're actually representing something correctly. Um, uh, you know, most of the most of the time when I've seen. Uh, Well, where I have seen companies act with some level of integrity tends to be in the privately held family owned companies because there is more of an identification of the family with not all, I mean good lord I can think of some cement manufacturers and things like that that have been rather bad, murderers actually but um, the uh, where, where I have seen lots of great experiences in that way where they did not have to account to bankers. They didn't have to do anything of that kind. And they were just saying, no, I just don't believe in that. I will make sure in a private company which has no shareholders other than the family itself, I've watched them go out to countries like India to make sure that uh, if children were involved in any way in the distribution chain, they would be schooled and everything. they had no reason to do it other than the family's beliefs. Um, in the modern corporate world, it's a lot harder. Certainly, it, it is a lot harder to, to follow with, with the level of integrity that is required, that, that, would, that should be required. And certainly, um, both you and I have paid dearly from selling things that did make sense, um, that were actually had significant impact but maybe didn't involve enough of the stakeholders who control the money. And, um, you know, you and I have both paid for that. Um, But so, no, this, this kind of thing, though, when it gets down to the individual, when the individual knows that they've ended up doing something they are not qualified to do and where they have to, Misrepresent not just the product, but their ability to do it, to to service, to provide, to offer the product. Then this is where certainly the damage is greatest.
0: The people that um, that come to you who are recovering or trying to uh, a new direction, and you assist them, guide them, be the rabbi, be the mentor. Point them in, in a direction, and but they're just learning coping systems. How can I better cope with the imposter syndrome? But I
1: just keep on doing it. Well, first of all, um, most coaching is done at the request of the company, not of the individual. Um, at least the one, the the ones that. Myself and other people I I work with are involved in. We, we prefer to work for the companies rather than individuals. Several reasons. One, the main one is that, um, if you work for an individual, it's a lot of money. And secondly, uh, you naturally tend to identify with your, with the client and say, you know, and say, yes, you're right, Robert. Yes, you're, you're quite right. If you're working for a third party and advising, then in spite of the fact that the, you, you may keep complete confidentiality and you do not disclose to the company what the person has said, you're a bit more detached and you're able to interact and say, look, I think you're wrong. In this case they're perfectly okay in what they're doing, or you 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 know, the typical thing of somebody coming and saying giving you a whole set of problems and you're saying, look, it's gonna be the same everywhere. Don't don't delude yourself. It's not a question of leaving this company to do something else. So your, your relationship should have a certain level of detachment in that respect. How to live with these things is a, a lot of it is about realizing what you're doing and realizing why you're uncomfortable. And, um, and that's, that's enough. If somebody gets to that point where they understand, okay, yes, I am doing something that, that is making me uncomfortable. I am living with it. Be able to talk about it with some people, that is quite important. Whether it is your coach, or you find some friends that you can do it or whatever with, yes, at least be able to externalize it, rationalize it, and fine, life is difficult. You've got to figure out a way to live with it sometimes. You may have a situation where you say, well, I should, this is really eating up at me too much. I cannot keep doing this. I should move on. But on the whole, just being able to articulate it, to get it out and to give it some structure as to, all right, this is the price I've got to pay to feed my family. You're giving it structure there. You are enabling the person to accept what they have to do. But
0: if you're if you're working for the company and you said before, the company prefers functionaires, no troublemakers... No George Carlins, no Robert Rubinstein's, no Ricky Grins. We don't want those kind of. They're troublemakers. We want basically, um, uh, we want basically um, people that are listening mm-hmm. and, and do what's told.
1: They'll never tell you that. They'll never say that.
0: Oh, okay. So it's what you, what you anticipate. Yeah.
1: Okay. We'll okay. never admit that. No spokesman for the company will admit that unless you're coaching him or her, in which case, yes, but it's not going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And but I know there are no angels out there, there are you know lots of heroes, but no. no angels other than you, obviously, uh, and the people on the right hand side of this screen. Um, how can you? empower if if the company's paying you how do you empower them to break free or be their authentic self at the same time the company wants you just get the guy back in shape you know massage him down and get him back to work
1: well you've got to have a clear mandate but it's it's never quite like that um the corporate world has accepted that coaching is an important Value-added service for the company itself—that it's necessary uh, in many cases. It's it's an accepted thing. So, um, you're 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 not going to get the kind of mandate that is saying, uh, "Tell them this or tell them that." But you're obviously you have nothing to gain from going into a company and saying, "Oh." Resign, go away. No, you know, you're, you're not doing anybody a favour with that, unless it's an extreme, extreme case. But in that case, you know, either there's a legal issue there, or uh, a very clear syndrome that is affecting, or I know, somebody. Obviously, if I, it, 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 it's never happened to me, but were I to witness somebody being bullied, or molested, or something like that, then that's a legal issue so just like anybody else in the street i'd have to report it somehow whether inside or outside you know if i see somebody being beaten up inside another company i've got to report it to the police so that that's that's a different issue but the 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 nature of the mandate on the whole is is something that you decide with the person you're coaching Yes, the company may provide a general framework saying, look, this is what we feel are the needs, but it's when you sit down with the person you're coaching that you then say, right, okay, this is the nature of the mandate. Now, I've never had somebody sit down with me, maybe I'm sure other people have had a lot more experience and say, uh, help me get out of here. You know, that, That's not the kind of thing, but somebody who needs to articulate what is making them uncomfortable and how should I deal with it, you know, a lot of coaching is actually pretty simple stuff. It can be things like, um, are you following the priorities you know you should follow, uh, or other very simple things that they wish to discuss with somebody who ideally is understands their sector, understands their job, and um, will be able to discuss constructively what they what they don't want to think about on their own. But um, you know, it's not the extreme cases. The extreme cases become very easy. If somebody is being harassed, bullied, forced to do something illegal. Then you've got to say, sorry, we've got to stop. But uh, if you keep on telling me, I'm, I've got to report it. You know, if you're doing something illegal, I would just like if I was watching somebody being beaten up in the street, same thing.
0: So, taking a couple of the questions that have been posed, starting with Steve. Uh, Steve, great discussion. What about uh, let me put my glasses on? In-
1: Enable air pressure, ego, and family. Yes. <clears throat> you're bordering on, Steve, good to see you there. Good to see you well. Now You've had, Steve was another ex-COVID case, so I'm glad you're up and around and well. Um, that could be bordering on on legal issues almost I mean if if somebody is um, on the one hand it's it's a little bit vague if you could make it a bit bit of a bit of a more precise case but peer pressure for instance well that covers a big range of things is peer pressure because you're being judged on the way you dress or because you're being judged on your actual work performance or what is it in that case um ego well that's that's a psychologist's problem not mine um i'd say you might need some psychological, psychological help you know call the NHS and ask for an appointment uh family it's again you know, you may need counseling for that but that's not a coach's job the the coaching mandates at least that i follow are to do with work and what you have to do at work okay steve i, I see steve has just responded again um selling things i don't believe in you've never sold anything you don't believe in Steve, you're a pain in the ass for everybody. You always only do what you think is right. I know that, so you know, which is the same problem that many people that we know have as well. So you're, you know, you're not, you're not the victim of misselling, um, other than on the receiving side, maybe you've been misold things. But if um, if there's one person I know who's always said exactly what he thought, it's you.
0: Florence had a, uh, well, a comment, basically. I uh, love your article. It made me think of the Greek principles of dialectic thinking, which really helps me help my coaching clients and keep my sanity all these years in the investment industry. Um, and uh, Florence has, has been in the space also quite a while. I, I, you know, I, I remember I was with my wife, who uh, has no filter. She has no filter at all, uh, as you know. Um, and I was meeting a friend that I grew up, went to public school with, and he worked at Cantor Fitzgerald and lost a lot of people in, in 9-11. And she kept asking him, what is the fun of trading money? And he kept saying, it's incredible. You make millions of dollars in minutes, you know. And she kept saying, well, what is the fun? What is the enjoyment of that? You know, are people so seduced by the financial sector and all the zeros that is it any different from the financial or the non-financial sector with the imposter syndrome? Is it the money that's better in the financial sector that that kind of people will overlook the bad behavior or the abuse or the lies or the corruption? Or is it just as bad as everywhere?
1: Um I feel one thing that is worse is, that it is what I was referring to. By the way, Florence's comments very interesting. Thank you. Um, is that the expectation is somehow that you're going to be honest. If you're selling used cars, nobody expects you to be honest. Um, if you're selling real estate, nobody expects you to be honest. They know you're lying. Even if you're not, they assume you're lying. So, frankly, you know, you... Mm, the weight is, is less. The tr- the biggest issue I have with the financial industry is the the users are lulled into this false sense of security where they believe they're actually being given good advice and honest advice, and they're not. So that is where the salesman, I think, has much more trouble. Now, I, I believe that what you were talking to there was a trader, trader deal, traders deal only among peers. They know exactly what they're after and they, you know, they, they're selling to each other. They're all in the game together and it's a game. It's like a chess match or it's like a, uh, a sports event. When you're talking, though, about selling to people who don't know better and for some reason, Lord only knows why, there is a belief that the financial industry is fundamentally honest and well regulated. And this is just not true. So you're taking advantage of people, and you know, nobody nobody really blames a car a used car salesman because you know, he knows or she knows that nobody is expecting them to to be that honest or to hold them to a higher standard. Uh, Bonnie,
0: who used to work for the Trump organization, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the Trump organization, Uh, Bonnie is an honest real estate broker. Uh, She says she's in real estate. My clients deal with me because they know or intuitively know that that the truth.
1: There are plenty of honest real estate brokers. I I apologize if I said the opposite. I I didn't mean it. What I'm saying is the expectation of the client is not as high as that of um, a client walking into a financial institution. Uh, they, for some reason we we just assume and believe, so if Bonnie is being intro, and i 'm sure she is being honest um, good for you and i 'm sure that many people actually point out oh that 's an honest one you know, that that is thing it 's uh, a peculiar fact of the of the financial industry that um, there 's a misalignment of uh, And a misunderstanding, a very basic misunderstanding of what the role of a bank is. And, yeah, Bonnie, I can see that. I bet it's difficult. And uh, good on you. You probably do sleep better than than most people. And you probably have loyal clients because of that. But can you say that of the majority of your industry? Well, at least in the perception of your industry. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Bonnie.
0: Of a bank,
1: huh. good point. What is the role of a bank? Well, you, you know there is. I, I can't quote it exactly because I never read it in German. But something about Brecht saying, "What is worth to rob a bank or own a ba- or open a bank?" You know, um, and I forget the quote, but it's it's easy to find uh, online. Um, the, I mean the the. The role of a bank is changing over the years, without a doubt, and uh, um, I'm sure that knowing you, Steve, you actually have a much better definition than what I would be able to offer, so I'd rather you put one up and I'd I with it. But I have to say, the what I can say fairly uh, with confidence is the perception of, uh, of a bank is um, uh, that of... Uh, an institution that will speak honestly. The perception of a certification agency is uh, that it will provide a proper certification for goods. Uh, the, you know, there, there are you could you could do probably a very interesting study if you asked a thousand people about ten different types of companies, which ones are more honest than others, and um, figure that one out. Why I work mainly, I work only with financial institutions and tech and some families, but the, that's all I work with. I wouldn't work in an industry I don't understand. Um, so those are the ones I know. Um, and I know the financial in, institute, on the whole, the financial industry has extremely low standards of integrity and um, a and misalignment of perception.
0: So what? How do we? Uh, there, uh, there was a, a wonderful um, uh, Adidas commercial that was never shown, and they gave these young guys, okay, do something really amazing, and they did an amazing commercial, and it was a, a German athlete basically um, who was in a an old age home, was bordering on dementia lots of elderly people but he always wanted to run again so he found his old running shoes and he wanted to go running and they thought he was crazy so they you know put him back in his room kept putting him back in his room and again and then they hid his shoes and then everyone in the old age home took his shoes gave it back to him gave him his running outfit and they created a kind of a cordon sanitaire to, to keep the the, uh, the the hospital workers from preventing him from running out the door and breaking free. It's, it's a beautiful commercial. It's really quite uh, amazing and, and, and touching. Yeah. As a coach, how do we get these people, if we just focus on the financial sector, how do we get them to break free?
1: Well you know that <laughs> is that the objective um, you know if somebody wants to leave nothing's going to stop them except the ability the availability of an alternative career or the alternative ability to to feed their family um, and themselves uh, it's really not the role of coaching. Um, i mean there there are certain there are certain roles that several institutions have vis vis the financial sector the regulators to start with um the number of times that y- you see the financial industry um crimes not being punished involves the judiciary as well um a whole lot of other institutions really have to deal with that sort of thing with the individual well you know it's just allowing them to understand what they what they're doing and the role they have and the fact that either they can accept it or then yes probably they should start thinking of something else but if you are in it, working in a Company that produces defective toys, um, what are you expected to do? Uh, that, uh, you know, the, that yes, you probably are told you should go and report that because you know that the toys you're producing are defective, and there's a legal issue there. Um, certainly, as a society, we don't protect whistleblowers. So um, we we don't encourage people from pointing out what is illegal. Uh, as far as the person living in this, what we are dealing with is most times we're not dealing with actually illegal is- issues of law, uh, except that maybe misselling and misrepresenting things sold, yes, could be constrid- construed as a legal issue. And the failing is social. The regulators have the means and the powers to do things. They don't care, or at least they're they're not allowed to for whatever reason. And um, so should it be up to the person in the bank uh, who knows that he or she is mis-selling? Should they go and report it? They're not going to be protected. They're certainly not going to be helped. At least if they're able to talk about it, that's a big help.
0: So just being able to talk is enough.
1: It's all that one can do. Most of as a coach, one can do it. unless one is clearly put in front of something which is completely illegal. Mm. Then, no, then, there is a legal obligation to do it. But most times, one would rather not have really understood that.
0: But don't, um, don't I, I? I remember someone from Goldman Sachs came to visit me. Surprisingly, the CEO of Goldman Sachs for the Benelux, and I said to him, as a semi- quite kind of a joke, I said, "I can't prove it, but I have a feeling the investment manager is wrong half the time." <laughs> and he said to me, "No, no, no three quarters." <laughs> so I thought, "Wow, would I go back to a doctor, dentist, car mechanic, electrician, you know, gynecologist, anyone who 75% of their decisions are wrong?" who are paid handsomely for making the wrong decision. I mean, I guess that's okay if you're a baseball player and you have a two, one in four batting average. Uh, and and, he's, and he said, well, they're busy with the future. Are they busy with the future? Or, you know, it's a, I always find it very fascinating watching the financial news of CNBC, MSNBC or that. It's up, it's down, it's going up. It's all down, we know this is that, you know. So, um, and then on top of that, being asked to do something. So, um, I realize that, You know, it's their choice. But isn't there something we can do to, to 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 replicate what this the Adidas commercial said to break free?
1: That's another. I mean, if you had to break free of every of everything that. Um, did not comply with the strictest moral standards, you would have to first of all define your standards and there'd be very little left that you'd be able to do. But what one can say is watch out where you're working in uh, a function where the truth you are claiming to guide your statements is actually somewhat respected by your actions. At least that. Get as close as you can to it. And uh, this can be very, very difficult where in some cases what you do what you're doing is paid is is being paid to misrepresent things and um, and to misrepresent your abilities. So you know you are an imposter and you know that what you're saying is wrong. Now be careful of that Um, because mm, it's a pretty lonely and harmful situation you're in. I mean it's what a lot of midlife crises are um, attributed to if you want. It's where you you know you're worthless as a person or your word is worthless put it like this.
0: And do those who suffer from the imposter syndrome feel worthless?
1: In many cases, yes. They're scared, they're anxious. Then, when it gets to that point, you've, you've really got to tell them look, you really need proper counseling. You need a psychiatrist or a psychoan- psychiatrist, at least, to deal with that. But that's a very, you're talking about a different scale of things. and
0: And, and changing career, changing the job. You know, Changing the toxic environment, that's not an option?
1: Well, if you know what is making it difficult and you know that by changing you will feel better, then yes. But you know, it, the number of times I've been made aware of problems and all I have to say to people is it's exactly the same everywhere else. That's so common where unfortunately I say you're not going to get any better if you change. It's Or you're switching one set of causes of stress for a different one.
0: So the entire Trump administration will be knocking on your door?
1: I doubt it very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my field. They wouldn't know who I am. And, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's some people who are fairly happy with what they've done. But, well, It's an interesting point that you raise indirectly, which is in politics across the, across the globe, the expectation of real truthfulness of, of your message is low. But in some cultures, you're being caught lying actually can be serious. Now, in the UK, it used to be that once you were caught lying in parliament, that was pretty much it. I mean, I can think of, I mean, the most famous case is the Profumo case, but Britain, who was um, a, with double T, he was a minister who lied in parliament. He apologized and disappeared. Then they actually sent him to Europe because it didn't matter in the European commission. If you'd been caught lying, well, who cared? So they became a EU commissioner. But he couldn't be a minister in England in those days. Today, I don't think anybody really cares that much if a politician is caught lying. They'll just go, "Well, well. yeah." And um, the expectation is certainly very, very low. Um, when
0: when people. Come to you. These probably a referral, I guess. You know, from someone else who, who had who had come well, to me.
1: Go to companies. If an individual comes to me, I'll usually just do it on a friendly basis. If 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 they come to me, it's I go to companies and I say, "Fine, I'm with these other colleagues, and would you be interested in doing that? Uh, would you be interested in a coaching program for your for your staff?" for mm-hmm. positions management or, or other things
0: okay florence had another question for you one of the issues here is to come in from the premises that you are your job or your role a person is much more than that what is your take
1: on that uh, absolutely true but that's all i deal with i only deal with a job a coach only deals with your job unless I mean if it's another type of coaching where which I really see many times slipping into um, into into psychology then that's a different issue but I'm not touching that uh, I mean I'll give an example of uh, certain coaching practices that I think are, are absolutely fantastic they're coaching practices that focus on pregnant executives now, that is very specialized. It's usually done by women who've had children and have had that experience. And they focus on, okay, what are the problems of an executive that has to announce, I'm pregnant, and may be away for, for a long time. I mean, those kinds of things, then are specialist coaching environments uh, that, that, that are extremely interesting, I couldn't do that Um, and as for what is uh, wrong in other things than than the immediate job I would really refer somebody to I I might help them seek um, the kind of counseling they need that's the most I'll do but I can't provide it
0: Uh, fintech eliminating many jobs in the financial sector And these uh, automatic uh, investment robo systems that are setting up that automatically invest money for you according to your preferences. There will be more and more redundancy in the financial sector because most people just want cash management, uh, which is, you know, PayPal, basically, or on your phone. So, um a lot of these individuals in the financial sector, I guess in the same in trucking and, you know, a lot of people will will uh, lose their job. So they might have been the impo- pursuing the imposter syndrome or, or experiencing it. And now they're trying to stay there and to keep their job, but they don't have the job. Doesn't the situation become even worse? Because before they <laughs> they were in the imposter syndrome, now they're unemployed. And uh, they tried to kind of keep the space by being a good soldier. And now they're not, they have nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they, that, that definitely, um, with, the, with the speed at which things are changing, I've seen that. And that has been a great cause of stress for a lot of the older executives in their fort, late 40s and 50s. Um, who had joined banking thinking it was a job for life and that is one of the causes of stress that is pushing them to do anything to stay on. Um, The trouble is that it's just not possible. They can't, they won't manage and they will, they will be culled as the institutions also merge and new things are formed where their skill set may not be required it's pretty scary and it pushes people to do anything to stay on board
0: bonnie uh had a comment here in our humble opinion it's important to do the inner work aligning what's in your soul with the outer world the world has to catch up it's an evolutionary process
1: um, I mean, one can't disagree with a statement like that. You're, you you know, you are saying things which are self-evident. Yes, I, I can't disagree with uh, with that. But now you're in the green space uh, from from your description. But how much have you seen in the green space that is total nonsense, Absolutely. And the number of deals that I've seen and the number of people I've dealt with who plaster the, the word green everywhere. And do you, do you find, Bonnie, do you find that these people live well with that? Maybe today, but once green becomes seasoned and it turns to brown in many cases, then hmm, I'd love to see what the effect is going to be. Yeah, lots of greenwashing, lots of it. I mean, I've come across um, because of the enormous interest of the financial industry in sports, I've come across the, what they now refer to as sports washing, which is another very interesting thing. Um, yeah, anything, anything to use um, what looks okay to make the unpalatable suddenly delicious.
0: Do you mind if I just show this short clip? Mute your mic, uh,
1: Julio. they never showed that uh, commercial it was made
0: by um a bunch of young uh, communications people but they never they they never they were afraid to show it uh which is un- unfortunate um steve had a comment
1: amazing ad i mean to 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 some extent i'd say you know what is even more amazing is actually adidas did score very, very high in the um, in the analysis of, of control of their supply chain to avoid slave labor, to avoid a whole lot of things. Um, Nike and Puma, I believe, scored also very high, um, and you know that that is even more newsworthy than than yes. Very good ad that was made and everything else. But the communication so many times runs far ahead of the reality. And there's a lot of interference with uh, the people who assess the companies. Um, you know, I had, I had a few dealings with fair trade at uh, the time I was trying to do things in Africa with you. Julia, uh,
0: tell everyone exactly what happened because I found it one of the most shocking examples uh, of the entire sustainable investment world. Uh, so please well, share, me, share what happened.
1: Fundamentally, well, what what happened was that we hit the wrong message, the wrong you know the structure we we worked on for. Uh, a particular commodity fund was one where we were saying this is how we can have the greatest impact to improve the the prices at the farm gate level in Africa. And um, the problem that we came up with was that the structure we were offering did not employ enough white boys and girls to go down there at $1,000 a, um, a day, which is what a large amount of the industry of the NGO industry and of the aid industry is about. Uh, we, we just didn't see that. And we were wrong. We should have figured that one out before going out and trying to do a fund, which we were well supported by APG, who I'll be always grateful for their support because they understood it and they saw through the whole thing. Um, But we hit a brick wall once you hit the aid world, where aid is not about the actual engagement down on the ground in many cases. It's about supplying a whole food chain at home. And we had ignored the food chain at home. Now, when we dealt with the uh, a lot of a lot of the NGOs and a lot of the aid giving agencies, we came straight up against a brick wall. And what you and I had not understood was that their message was fundamentally a lie. Where we did find the support was at a very high level, at the sort of APG FMO level where they said, yeah, okay, go ahead, do it. <laughs> You've got to find the other guys first, well, as well. And no, there is, um, so, which is, you know, at the end of the day, look at the number of scandals that have happened in the NGO world um, ever since we were working on that particular project. But we had misunderstood those people, although they claim to be focused on the, help they're giving down on the ground. A large amount of them was just concerned with feeding huge supply chains of consultants back home and companies back home. And no wonder in the end they, you know, you find morale is pretty low with them and they end up doing all sorts of unspeakable things, as happened with Save the Children, with Oxfam, a whole lot of them. And I'm pretty sure that the fact that they had to lie about so many things was what got them into becoming so worn out from a psychological point of view. Uh,
0: people, uh, particularly, you know, I mean, TBLI is, uh, people All us often call us the George Carlin of the impact investing space, speaking the radical truth. And people don't like to hear that their children are ugly uh but sometimes you have to tell them that that their children are ugly um you're working with the aftermath so with the results of a toxic environment or whatever a toxic community uh what can we do be without i, I don't want to take any business away from you what can we do to prevent people ending up you know, in your office,
1: Oof. they're gonna keep coming, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: not going to be an, never, and and there's an overabundance of toxicity around, yeah. Never it, run out,
1: it's natural, it's a bad smell, and it's there, and it's natural. <laughs> 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 no. so,
0: but so, so what do you measure progress then? How do you measure progress?
1: Well, so you don't bother come. The fact that we're still talking—that's the basic thing. And um on the whole, certainly, well, you know, with with all these things, it's it's not like it's not like being a psychologist far well, from it. It's but the fact that you are engaging with the um, with the company and with the people means that on the one hand, the staff is happy with you and is actually asking and saying, oh, actually, I'd like to see him a bit more. It really helped with that tough month when I had 17 things to do, kept me focused organizing my day properly and so on. It can be even that simple, or it can be one of – uh, you know, the person says, "Well, I, I actually chose my battles much better." Most, a lot of the thing that that coaches do is say, "Look, are you going to gain anything from fighting that battle? Why don't you just let go of that one? There, focus on the ones that are important." That kind of thing.
0: Thomas had a question here. Uh... In the end, some end-user consumer will be involved in the value chain, so transparency at the time of purchase, is that not an overlooked factor? I guess you're in the supply chain business, Thomas.
1: Well, the, uh, that really um, gets uh, is beyond uh, your, 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 your question is largely out of the scope of my expertise. What I can say is this. If you are portraying the projects, uh, the things that you're selling as something that where the supply chain has been verified in a transparent and accurate form, and you have your doubts, you're going to pay for that in the end yourself. You're going to start saying to a friend, yeah, what I sell is actually crap. Um, and you're ending, you're going to end up saying it non verbally to your clients. You're going to end up in many different ways. The whole certification, value chain certification business is, um, accepted again without challenge by most consumers. They just see, oh, it's fair trade, fine. It's this, fine. Um, It's the the fish that I buy in that particular shop is sustainably farmed, fine. But what does that mean? I've never seen somebody go to the shop and say, sorry, could you show me what that certificate means? And then look up online and say, right, what does that certification standard actually mean? Um, Take chocolate. Chocolate has uh, several standards. And... um, a lot of the industry has rejected the fair trade standard, but it hasn't rejected it because it wishes to um, employ slaves. It's, a, it's rejected it because they didn't agree with the standard, with the way it was measured, and with the enforceability of the standard. Um, now, you know, the World Cocoa uh, Organization, I can't remember exactly the name it has, has tried to produce others uh, other standards in that particular case. But the issue down the line is who along that line knows what is really done and are they happy with what is being done?
0: Maria, had a question for you. Um, Dr. Frenzanetti, wow, okay, I'm impressed. What do you think is the solution to be authentic and totally sustainable solution? And, and do remember the important quote of of George Carlin, scratch any cynic, and you will find a disappointed idealist.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, well, there are two questions there that I that I'd look at separately. And the first one is, you know, the solution to be authentic. Well, if you can find a way of living with what you're doing, um, you will probably find that you can you can always do better in terms of. Honesty of authenticity with respect with to what you're doing as work. Uh, I've certainly made huge mistakes in my career. Good Lord and I had to sort of paper them over in many ways, but or not not talk about them and so on. But you know, all of us has um, we've we've all done uh, certainly things that we didn't live with comfortably. Uh, possibly when I was in my early twenty, my, when I joined the financial industry. I was laughing at some of the things that I used to see. My first company was Drexel Burnham, um, which got shut down by the attorney general of New York. And, uh, so, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know which authority in the end, but it was Giuliani that had it shut down, basically. Um, now, you know, what I used to see there, wow. But I was in my early 20s and I thought that was just life and it was normal and uh, I'd laugh at it. But, uh what was happening with uh, some of my um, colleagues, uh, particularly the, the Los Angeles group, who was more famous, the Michael Milcom one, was racketeering, and that's how they got them. Um, but being in my early 20s, just having got into finance, I thought, oh, that's how things work. Well, okay. Yeah. You know, later on, you realize that eh, that's not really how things work, and you know, the more you put yourself in a position where you can be honest the safer and stronger your position it will be to live with yourself while doing it um so that that for for your own safeguard is makes it easier when it comes to truly sustainable solutions well that needs a lot of research um to whatever extent your behavior can affect sustainability you need to research it And, um, you know, I I, I sometimes am very amused at people who say, well, I've put a solar panel on top. And I say, well, you know, did you look into what it takes to make that solar panel, by the way? Um, And and, and they didn't look at that manufacturer. They just assumed that if I put a solar panel, I'd done something good. Um, It may be so, but you you need to do the work. And there's no easy thing with all these things.
0: Thomas had another question for you. Uh, thanks, G. Okay, we went from Dr. Frontinetti to G. So Ali G here. Uh, my point is... When
1: user- I was teaching, <laughs> I, I, I students to call me Dr. G because that sounded like a rapper's name. and it
0: made- <laughs> <laughs> My point is user-driven data discovery in the hands of the consumer given the possibility of pervasive app in the hands of the factory workers, of course, most positives are what reported, but the competition would then be there. I'm not quite sure what you're Mm -hmm. asking or saying. Do you understand?
1: Yeah, no, but he makes a good point. I mean, it it is a complex issue there, but the main thing I'd say is just when, whatever stage you are in the production process, if something affects you to the point that you've got to lie about it, well... That will be a problem. Try and get out of that, of that situation.
0: easier not to keep track of all the lies. It's less effort, less energy. Yeah. Just to be straight. I know it's boring for you because you're used to so many
1: tricks. Well, Because, you know, there's so many things, look, there's, there's so much complexity in the work environment. And um, there, there are issues where uh, the, the managers, in particular, have very little time and very little ability to discuss things. Um, so um, there's, there's certainly so much gray to, to go over. Plenty of work there. Do you like what you're doing? Do you so, like
0: it more than when you worked in the banks?
1: Oh, without a doubt. Yes, without a doubt. I mean, it's, you, you, put, you know, fine. I turned 60 this year, but you put at the disposal of many others, the perspective that you've acquired. And you're no longer in a phase where you want to demonstrate that you're Superman and you want to do this, that, and the other. You know, you, you, but you're still young enough to be able to contribute. And, um, like so quite- golf. I've
0: never played golf in my life. You can do it, you know, until you're a hundred and you're outside and
1: fresh air. Yeah, until you're a hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you may be too far, remo- at a certain point, you'll be too far removed from that industry to understand what's going on. So you can't actually interact effectively with people once you're too far removed from it. So, um, it, when I, when I talk to very young people who I, I, I do a certain amount of work on a voluntary basis with with young people who are looking for their first job, who are uh, doing all that. And I want to keep doing it simply because I acquire their perspective to some extent. So, you know, I I, I don't, I do, do much as, sometimes parents will come to me saying, oh, would you help my I don't know. I'll do it for free and please just stay away. Um So from that point of view, as long as as your perspective allows you to understand what this person is doing and what their work is about, then, yes, you can keep on doing it for ages. Then there's the question of families. Families are another interesting thing where, uh, for instance, in in the philanthropy side, uh, I think that families have enormous uh, issues in terms of the older generation not understanding what is important to the younger generation grandpa wants to restore the chapel in the town where his great grandfather was born and grandson wants to develop a community in uh, Haiti and um, they're just not talking the same language to each other Th- these kinds of things also have um, have come up where the denial of authenticity comes in with the families is families that pretend they are what they're not. Uh, families that have reconstructed a past that didn't exist, um, tried to make people forget about a past that did exist, uh, that kind of stuff, that wears on them too.
0: Don't you find that, I mean, I keep hearing the this over... Uh, overused word like almost like awesome in the us everything is awesome so there's overused word of authenticity that people are looking for authenticity in their relations in their community and their contacts and the people they meet and um or is it just they're just coming up with a new awesome word
1: you know uh I- Every time I hear the word authenticity, what comes to mind is a, in um, a wonderful old movie, Jean de Florette, which was with Gérard Depardieu and Yves Montand. And Gérard Depardieu is this uh, upper-middle-class guy who's come from Paris, and Yves Montand is a peasant, and Gérard Depardieu has just bought the land next to uh, Yves Montand's land that he, that actually Yves Montand wanted. And, um, one of the things that, that, uh, Jean Florette says is, je vais cultiver l'authentique. I want to cultivate the authentic. And, uh, Yves Montand, who's playing peasant, thinks that the authentic is a, is a product. So he regularly in the movie, it's about, well, maybe he wants to grow this authentic. I don't know what it is. You know, it, it's sort of, it, it, it's um, like, like everything when it's, when it's abused, it, it starts losing its meaning in, in many respects, but I'd say, you know, fine, we'll find a different word with, if need be, but the concept is very clear.
0: Thank you to our guest and audience for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe where you listen to your podcast this was radical truth stay safe stay safe